Welcome to Food and Loathing, your weekly dose of food porn for the ears, coming to you from the most delicious desert in the world and the home to Allegiant Stadium. That's going to come in, be very <laughs> crucial to some of this broadcast. I am speaking, of course, about beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm Al Mancini with producer Rich Johnson with our very, very special guest host and my good friend, Chef Rick Moonen. We have a delicious episode for you today with an update on the Vegas Test Kitchen, a report from a cannabis dinner, a visit to a strip party spot that's looking to up its culinary game, and in celebration of the Raiders' season opener, Jason Harris and I will chat with the man who feeds the team. But first, allow me to introduce my good friend, who's graciously agreed to serve as my co-host for this segment, the brilliant Rick Moonen, Thank coming you. to you from his backyard. How are you, Rick? I am so great, Alex. I couldn't be possibly be better, I swear to you. It's great to be here. Rick, of course, as I'm sure everybody knows, one of America's most celebrated chefs, the godfather of the sustainable seafood movement, a celebrity chef who went all in on Las Vegas in what? I think about 2004? That's right. When you not only opened a pair of restaurant concepts in Mandalay Bay, but also brought bought a home in our valley, which is where we're sitting right now. And while you no longer have a restaurant in Las Vegas, um, Rick, you continue to call Las Vegas home. You remain a huge supporter of the local dining scene. So um, how are you, man? I'm fantastic. And I, I, you know, I love the Vegas scene. I can't get away from it. I'm, this is always going to be home. I'm done. You know, I can go somewhere in the summer and whatever, and I travel an awful lot. But Vegas, this is where my heart is, I, I tell you. And the culinary scene, of course, is just super exciting. You know, there's a lot of young uh, chefs out there that are doing amazing. I say young. Um, and on this coming <laughs> Sunday, I'm going to be 65, so it's official. Ooh, yeah. Happy birthday, man. Th thank you. Thank you. So I look at them as young, but they're not young. They're the age I was when I was starting out. They're ambitious. They're doing some great stuff, you know. And uh, so my wife and I, and we want to support this community because this community supports me you know and that's that's a lot that means a real lot to us uh, ronnie and i you know we we try to you know be involved in charities and support a lot of the restaurants by going to them spending money saying don't don't be competent mm -hmm. you know not, you know if you want to send a course great but i want to come out i want to support you i want to talk about you and I want, you know, uh, to see you thrive because yeah. that, that if without a, you know, a, a thriving economy, we're going to, we're all just, you know, spinning wheels. I think the first time I met you was 2014 and you were bald because you'd just come from the St. Baldrick's uh, shave-a-thon. That's right. Is that where I shaved your head, right? <laughs> yeah. You, you shaved, shaved you. mine and I shaved yours. Yeah. Wow. Alan and I did it together, but you know, um, it's not a look for me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or anybody. You got a good head of hair for a guy that's 65, about to be 65 years old. If I had that, I wouldn't be doing this dumb shit with my hair. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rick, before we get into um, places you like here in Las Vegas and that you've been supporting, let's talk about um, what you've been up to, right? Because for a lot of Las Vegans, we haven't seen you since you closed your restaurants about three years ago in Mandalay. But I know you're keeping busy. You've been spending a lot of time in Texas touring the country. Tell people what Rick Moonen's been up to. Well, life has been kind to me in a lot of ways. And, and I had to go through some real rough part of it and that's all about learning you know you have you have to feel some pain to, to to gain i guess is the way it is and so closing my restaurants was not something that i really wanted to do it was just it had to be done that's all it was there's no i don't want to get in depth with that it was time to do it because of several factors so um i was fortunate at the time that i was consulting a steakhouse uh company a group out of uh, houston texas called perry's you know, I was I was asked to just you know re redo their seafood items that are on their their menu. It's a forty year concept, you know. So, 
so I'm just doing this. But I, I got along really well with the with the owner and and the infrastructure and the operational team and everybody and the way they did things and the culture that they had. And the owner and I are, have got this high energy. You know, I'm finishing his sentence. He's finishing mine on first meeting. And so um, when I had to shut down my restaurants, I was already in the process of having them fly out to Vegas to come to my restaurants and taste some items that I wanted to offer. You know, tell them I can I can develop these for your rest, your uh, your restaurant on your menu. And uh, he said, you know, Rick, you know, when I said we can't do it anymore because I got to close. And he's like, okay, well, uh, let me make you an offer. You know, we, we're looking to expand. We're looking to do new things. You know, we need, a, you know, somebody that can do it. So they, he made me an offer that, uh, you know, I work out of my kitchen. I develop recipes for this company now. So I, my title <laughs> is Master Development Chef for Perry's Restaurants. <laughs> nice. And, and we've created already a new concept out of this kitchen in my backyard. I got a pizza oven. I got a barbecue and everything. We created this concept called Carve. It's in Austin, Texas, and he expects he's going to be expanding some of the, you know, so nothing in Vegas at the moment, but I get to create these recipes, you know, uh, in my backyard, in my house, invite people over to taste them because I'm doing them in quantities that a restaurant would have to reproduce them in. And so I've got all this excess delicious stuff. And so, uh, you know, and in COVID it wasn't easy, but, you know, so I, I mean, I packed up and gave away during COVID, but that's, let's, let's not talk about that. Right. Let's talk about good stuff. So right now I'm the master development chef for Perry's and I've always got my foot in and support and arms around Las Vegas and opportunities are being discussed. Nothing to say to, about anything on any level, but my name may be appear again in Oh man, I hope so. You know, a lot of. I mean, I'm I'm getting ready just to fly down to Austin so I can eat your food yeah. down there at this point, man. Uh, but you know, you have been kind enough to have me to your house where some food has been. De- food's always delicious when I've been here. Um, so look, man, I'm looking forward to that, and I know that you will tell us as soon as you have stuff to announce here in Vegas. But I'm excited I, to know. get down to Texas and try that. Um, look, before I get to where we've been and, and local restaurants we like supporting, I've got a controversy I'd like you to address, right. if you will. I didn't bring it up last week. I love controversy. I knew I had you coming on to serve as the expert, so I put this on hold last week. While I was in Cabo, I posted a photo of a tasty little seafood pizza I enjoyed at a tiny little beachfront place. Um, This is actually something I always do when I'm in Central America, it feels like, whether it was in um, the Dominican Republic or in Panama. I always find these little places that have an oven, kind of like the one you have in your backyard. They do these Mm -hmm. little flatbread pizzas, and somebody's always throwing the catch of the day Mm -hmm. near the water, right? And I, it's just a go-to. I love these little joints. I love fresh seafood on a nice flatbread pizza. Um, And then you post it on social media and a lot of people, I mean, nobody was a dick about it, but you know, everybody's like, ew, seafood on pizza, seafood on pizza, that's wrong. So um, (laughs) I want you, man, you are the seafood king of the world. Um, You know, you're you're, you're like Aquaman as far as like speaking to the fishes. So do the fish mind if you put cheese on them? I mean, what's the deal? Wow, cheese and fish. First of all, Fish on pizza, it belongs. I mean, anchovies, you know that. That's a yeah. standard. But any fatty fish that you can put on a pizza, it works out great. Salmon, you know, you know, uh, Chilean sea bass, halibut, anything. You know, you season it up. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you put a rub on it, and it's delicious. But, okay, back to your question. Cheese and seafood. I, I'm going to tell you a quick story, and I'm going to tell you how I feel. I was in New York City. I'm eating an Italian restaurant, and I ordered some kind of a seafood pasta. 
And my friend across from me orders another pasta that was, you know, non-seafood. And so, of course, they come over to him. You know, you, got the, you get the parade, the pepper <laughs> mill, and then you got the cheese coming. He's cheesing up, and I love cheese. <laughs> so I asked for it, and the guy, like, backed away with a crucifix in his hand. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the devil had just been summoned, you know. I was like, holy smokes, what did I do wrong? And I found out at that point that it was considered taboo. So I just didn't quite understand it because... Personally, I think uh, I just developed a recipe that's a grilled oyster with um, a green chili butter with Monterey cheese and, uh, and cotija. And it's amazing, you know. So uh, there, there should be no uh, limitations or parameters of certain things. These taboos make me kind of chuckle. Um, if I was in a serious competition... And judges were old school, you know, um, from France or Europe or whatever. I probably wouldn't do it just because I know that they would, you can't, they frown down on it. You know people. There's certain chefs that don't like cilantro. Don't <laughs> mm-hmm. ever, just don't do it. You just, know? My geography is a little rough, but isn't Italy, the home of pizza, surrounded on three sides by water? Oh, 100%. <laughs> I, I don't quite understand. And I'm not saying, it could probably be from the north. It could be from the south. Yeah. Probably some, it's from the south. I would guess, because there's a lot more cheesy things going up north, you know. Mm, yeah. And then as you get further south, it's more it's much more Mediterranean. So I would just say cheese on anything you damn well please, Al. That's what I say. If you like it, eat it. And I'm tired of people talking shit about that. that. You know what it is, Al? It's just people going, oh, I know something, so I'm going to bust your chops. Because <laughs> I, I, I heard something. They had an experience like I did years ago. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, it's cool if it gives you something to talk about to your friends. Like, yeah, oh, you like cheese on pizza? I don't like cheese on pizza. You know, what? I mean, pineapple's a whole other story. Just, oh. Well, that's just because of these shaded things are. Pineapple about. and ham stuff, man, that's a bastardization. That's my opinion. Yeah, but, but cheese Rich, and fish, go for it. You, Rich, you've got seafood pizza. Well, story, you right? know, I, I grew up in suburban Portland, Oregon. And around a seven or eight years old, we discovered pizza, Shakey's, oh, which as that time was awesome. And it was only the only pizza in Beaverton, Oregon. Now <laughs> the home of. And, you know, we're going through the menu. The whole family is there. We've been there a dozen times. And my parents look and see shrimp pizza. Yeah. And for in the 60s in Oregon, shrimp was the little tiny cocktail oh, yeah, ship yeah, yeah. because that's what we got locally. I never sure. saw jumbo shrimp million as count. a kid. Must yeah. have frozen. Exactly. Infinity so, count shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> so we said, well, let's try that. And it came and everyone from my four-year-old sister to my 35-year-old father and all of us in between went, oh, no, what a bad mistake. <laughs> that was that was not good. That's cause you, I think that's, we could blame Shaky. But it was also in the can. You know, it was shrimp in the uh, can and all yeah, that. Yeah, but but yeah. other things, okay. So about a decade ago, I'm traveling with President Bush, White House Press Corps. We're in Tallinn, Estonia, and I find a little pizza shop. And I look at the menu. Every pizza on the menu is either fish or seafood, and every other one is blue cheese or both. That's wild. And I, no, I, I, I couldn't do it. I found something that looked like sausage. I want, to, I want the address. I'm die. going, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. We're going, Book brother. Yeah. <laughs> you know, take a ride at Helsinki and get on a ferry and you'll be there. Can we get on Air Force One, get that ride out there? <laughs> <laughs> um, Rick, one of the things I love to do at the top of any show is a rundown of some of the restaurants that my guests and I have been to recently. So let's open this up with you, man. Who are you digging these days? Where have you been in the past week or the past month or just since I've seen you last, man? Uh, a couple days days ago i went to la neta cochina e lounge it's um israel castro is the name of the chef he opened up javier's here 
He's doing crazy, crazy good Mexican cuisine. It's authentic. It's it's in, it's inspirational. It's to the edge. It's not Americanized at all. You know, it's it's not uh, authentic in the way that a Mexican wants it probably. But to to the American palate and to my palate, I I've been I've been playing around with Mexican food lately, and I was super stoked to go and try Lanetta. So, and where was this? This is uh, at um, downtown Summerlin. Right? Downtown Summerlin. It's the old um, the chicken space. From, yeah, the old Bronx. blue ribbon suit, yeah. blue ribbon chicken, right? And actually, last week we had Bryce Crossman on, and he had been there for one of their friends and family days, and he liked it as well. Dude, it's serious. The tortillas are made from Mariana, this girl that's got a blue. Uh, Was it uh, Mariposa? Masa Azul. Yeah, Masazul, right. Right, and sorry, she yes. did. She did a couple pop-ups with Jolene. I know that's coming up. Yeah, we're about to talk about that. And um, she's amazing. This girl, watch her. You see her name somewhere. She's sure little. You know, she's she uh, Gary La, La, Laporte. Gary Lamart, yes, Lamarte. who's on later in this episode. He's working with her. So Gary Lamart, they're working together. They're yeah, together. so we're gonna. I'm gonna have her on as a guest soon because I really want to talk amazing. about the, the heirloom corn that she uses. No, she's she's, out, she's out of control. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. I mean, I'm in. I'm in love with her integrity. Everything she's doing. You know, and so those tortillas, they buy the, the tortillas from her over at La Neta. So that cool. brings it back to this, you know, place right. they've been. But let's see. Um, okay, that's Mexican. Um, I'm in love with what, um, what's been done in, uh, what is it, uh, Al Solito Posto and Ada's Bar. Those yeah. Just forget it. Drop dead. Fantastic. Down to earth, delicious. Red sauce Italian done with <sighs> legitimacy. Done man. properly, finally. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of people have tried it. A lot of guys with huge arms come in and say they got the, they got the gravy. But <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that... Uh, it's 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 happening in at El Salito Posto. So you mentioned um, you mentioned Vegas Test Kitchen. I made a trip down to Vegas Test Kitchen on Sunday. It's my first time there in a month or two, and things have changed. So before I get into what I tried this time, I asked um, the curator Jolene Menina to explain what's happening down there right now. So right now we have the Black Pearl, and they've been here for a couple of months. They were only going to be here actually for 30 days, but we managed to find a spot for them on the back line, and their food's been amazing. So they're actually really taking advantage of the space, which is great. They are doing Black Pearl, which is ceviche and tacos. They started doing uh, papalonas, which is like a Mexican stuffed potato, and then they started doing brunch. So they're, they're actually testing out all these different models, which is absolutely perfect, and it's great for our customers that are coming in because they get something new. We also have Josh Bianchi here just for the month of September. We had an opening, so he jumped in. Fresh pasta, beautiful focaccia, meatballs, raviolis. Obviously, it's an Italian menu, and he's open for you know dinner Thursday through Saturday, and then here all day Sunday. We um, we were doing a meatless Monday every week. We decided to do it once a month and bring in more vegan chefs. So the first Monday of every month. So we'll have like six or seven different chefs that'll be a part of that. And then uh, we got a pop up next week with Himant. So Tati Shops. So we're going to start to do now that the weather is going to start shifting. We're going to do a few more events. Um, but you know, Sonia that used to be here is no longer here. So you cannot find bagels here. Should scream that loud because people still come in for those bagels, which were amazing. But life goes on. She is doing another project, so she couldn't do both. Um, we believe Nina will be coming back with a different menu in October. Christina with this mama's house will be back in October to do pho and some other uh, other items. So. You know, UConn's definitely staying for a second. Even though they're working on another project, they'll be here for a few months. So we've got a few people that our residents are still here. And, you know, 
we, I try as much as I can, even if they can't be here on a regular basis, to get them in for a day or two for a pop-up. I mean, that's basically how Black Pearl started. They were doing Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and then we got them in the kitchen. You know, so, yeah, it's open to, to almost anyone, anytime. I'm always meeting people. I'm always doing tastings, figure out when we can bring some new faces into the mix. So a lot of our favorites not there. A lot of my favorites, I should say, not currently there. Slay Sushi, This Mama's House, Bodega Bagels. Plenty of new options, including Black Pearl. That's the first, that's what I went down to try this past weekend. And I remember you were texting me trying to get tickets to their pop-up when they went in there originally. So did you make it in to try Black Pearl? I did, actually. It was great. It was great. It's a vicharia, you know. So I tried everything. You know, yeah. to top to bottom, just do it all. And it was all just, it was all spot on. Cool. So we're both recommending Black Pearl down in the Vegas test kitchen. 100%. Cool. Another place I visited this week is based on a conversation we had in the last episode about tourist party spots I'd seen in Cabo San Lucas, whether it's unfair to dismiss their food. Uh, As I mentioned last week, former El Dorado Cantina chef um, Francisco Cortez, or Chef Paco, as his friends know him. He recently took a corporate gig with Senor Frog. Um, now, I'm someone who loves uh, Paco's cooking. And I hadn't visited that particular party spot, Senor Frog's, in like 25 years. So I was intrigued. So Rich and I went down with our wives um, to the one in TI. While I was there, I asked Paco what he's trying to accomplish there. What's different? What are you bringing to Senor Frog's that's a little different than what people might expect? Right. So, you know, people's more used to the, the fast casual food, like something more like fast food where everything's kind of pre-made. So obviously when they look for me, they want something more like refresh. Um, they growing the company, so the brand is growing more. Uh, so what they're doing now is like getting more like kind of like a little upscale. So they thinking that people come here just for the bar or the drinks, but they see us in, you know, like a bar. A kind of sport bar or something like that, but they they analyze that people really come here to eat. So they're like, we need to re, you know redo the menu, kind of relaunch it, and bring something you know good. So that's what I do. That's my job to come in and uh, make everything from scratch like I've been doing before. So you know I'm very picky on my selections and food and all that. So that's that's what we do now. So everything's my like homemade. Everything's like uh, you know like fresh all the time. So, Rich, I'm going to ask you, because I'm the food snob, right? And when we get on this together. Um, now, I like I like Paco. I love what he did at El Dorado Cantina, um, the original, right next to Sapphire's Gentleman Club, which was a nice little attraction there as well. Um, I think he's upped the game from what I was expecting at Senor Frogs. I think it was considerably better. But, Rich, I'm the snob. What did you think, man? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't know that much, especially Mexican food. It's not Border Grill. But it's not Chi-Chi's and Garcia's of Scottsdale either, which I loved in the 80s because my sister worked there and I ate for free a lot. But uh, uh, it doesn't have to be that good at a place like Senior Frog because people come to get fucked up. They come to hook up and all that. And if there happens to be great food that's just a bonus. Yeah, I felt like um, the, the menu wasn't elevated much. They didn't. He didn't really try to smarten up the menu except on a few dishes. I'd say the trio of ceviches yeah. was a lot smarter than I would have expected at Senor Frog. Then there were a lot of other things that were exactly what you'd expect at Senor Frog, right? But they were really good. But they were done well, right? Yes. So if I'm going to have a jalapeno popper, it's a damn good jalapeno popper, damn good quesadilla. Um, I would say that probably the weakest one for me was probably the barbecue, but the barbecue wasn't bad. Uh, you could tell that it wasn't 
some Cisco or, you know, whatever sauce that was taken out of a hundred pound drum. I mean, you know, you could tell they made it up. So that's, it, it was cool. And the deal is I'm not going to senior frogs to get laid with like, you know, somebody on spring break. So chances are good. I'm not going to, to senior frog. <laughs> You're not the target. Uh, but you know, they've got a drag show and a mail review upstairs. If I was going for that and I ordered this food, I'd be totally happy with it. Rick, I wonder from your point of view, man, you've done the corporate thing from time to time. Have you ever had to like cater to a party crowd and how do you try to smarten it up without making it too smart? Well, it uh, depends on what level you want to go, Al, some things. Because, so, you know, if you, I can make tater tots out of real potatoes, make my own. I mean, they're amazing, you know. <gasps> Last you know, for me. <laughs> I mean, you could, uh, yeah, I mean, I love tater tots. You made a tater tot poutine that I think as oh. chef we both know, a celebrity kind of stole from you and put on his <laughs> own <laughs> menu. And it's, it happens. It's yeah. Pretty much. And he's a big guy, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we won't talk about it. He's a tough guy. <laughs> Kick my ass. So, uh, yeah, I've uh, dumb it down, so to speak, you know, because to be a snob, you know. I mean, I've worked in three-star restaurants in Manhattan my whole life. You know, I, mm -hmm. I personally got three stars from the New York Times five times in, in, in my career. You know, so those are accomplishments, and that's tweezer food sometimes on certain levels. And then down to, uh, I ran a place called Bar Louie in New York City. It was uh, just oh, in bowls. I remember that place. Yeah. Longest bar in New York City at the time because it went from one street to the other. And you just sat there, and the, the kitchen was crazy. I had to wear headphones in order to communicate with the kitchen. And the, the, the slide was, you know, you got you put in 10 miles walking back and forth, sliding dupes back and forth. So that, you know, it's always... There's always something you can do to make it more fresh, authentic, real, Al. You know, rather than just buying frozen and throwing it in a fryer, you can make it yourself. And that's what I would do. You know, I don't, I don't think I've ever, um, except, I mean, I've had to order kosher meals that I couldn't touch, you know, in in my career because that's, you know, religious and, and, and you can't fix it up, you know, even though you want to, you know. It's, You're it's a heathen. That's a chef. It's what he wants to do. He wants to, yeah. do, I don't know, peek in there and I'm, ah, it needs a little salt, yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like, I definitely feel like um, Paco is doing that. And yeah. if you're going to Senior Frog, man, try his food. Definitely don't don't feel that you have to eat somewhere well, else. Well, you That's, know you know he's but, capable. El Dorado yeah. was, was, was banging, man. It was, it was my favorite Mexican restaurant until I went to La Neta. Yeah. There we go. So we've talked to a lot of restaurants, a lot of chefs, like, oh, this one right here. <laughs> What's it like to cook for the same people every day and what they eat can actually have a big effect on how they play professional football. Up next, we will talk to the man who does just that for the Las Vegas Raiders. This is Food and Loathing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Welcome back to Food and Loathing. I'm Al Mancini with Jason Harris and our producer, Rich Johnson. And it is still big football week for us here at Food and Loathing, even though I don't know a damn thing about football. You know how I know you don't know a damn thing? You just said it's still big football week for us, something that no one... Has ever football. said ever. Yeah. I thought I said <laughs> I a big out. football was, week, yeah. but I don't know. I know that the, it's the only ball that's not round that I know of in the sporting world, and um, there's got to be another one. Should yeah. we tell them about rugby? No, no, no let's, let's no, save that for don't, later. Don't. Anyway, but I do know about food, and I am curious about what it takes to feed people that um, weigh a million pounds and beat the crap out of each other all day and get the crap beaten out of them all day and still need to have the energy to get up and do it again again and fortunately for that we have an amazing guest jason why don't you introduce our yeah guest? i'm excited it's gary lamort the founder of honest hospitality i know him and you know him longer than i do but i know him from back in with his days with the mina group and honest hospitality does pretty much all the food for the raiders if uh, if i'm saying it correctly is that right gary yes sir the um <clears throat> we are the food partners for the actual raiders organization and we are based out of the headquarters in Henderson, Nevada. It's 373,000 square feet. And this houses not just the football, but medical, security, administrative, HR, PR, marketing, the whole shebang. You're they, feeding the entire organization. Yes, sir. And they gave you a cool shirt, too, with, with things on the side, a chef's shirt for the football team with the logo and founder. But it doesn't say what you're founder of. It sounds like you're right up there with Al Davis. Thank you. <laughs> Guys, I have to no. tell you, before we get into football, which I know nothing about, if you want to look up Gary, and I hope, I hope this video is still out there on YouTube or somewhere on the interweb, um, but I have a video of Gary Lamort taking his famed foie gras martini down to the Double Down Saloon, and we did a head-to-head -head competition of the foie gras martini versus the um, bacon martini, and I'm told nothing ever dies on the internet, so I seriously hope that video <laughs> is still out there. It I would. I need to watch that again. <clears throat> I, you know what's funny is I immediately remembered that I think we had these really cool Bianchetti truffles that day. You I don't know what, yeah. You could put it on OnlyFans. They don't accept real porn, as I've just learned. But you can, they <laughs> like food porn still. So. <laughs> uh, make some money, Al. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Gary. Um, before we get to the Raiders, I was wondering, you know, your history with athletes. Like when you were with the Mina Group, were you involved in any of the Aisha Curry projects or? We actually, um, I did help open up the first International Smoke in San Francisco, the flagship, <clears throat> as well as um, uh, was organizing the opening team for the 49ers Stadium. Right. When we did the, the tailgate experience, which was actually a steakhouse, a pub, and an event space all in one at the new uh, Levi Stadium. I hope that comes to Vegas because, as we know, Mina has a big presence here. You're here. I think tailgate here is a natural fit for the fans. Well, there is a lot of energy around football in Las Vegas right now. That's for sure. Uh, and a lot of interesting people having a lot of interesting ideas. So, um, How did you connect with the Raiders? Um, <clears throat> interestingly enough, uh, they brought me on as a consultant to help them evaluate their opportunities for food service providers in Las Vegas. And um, through the process of doing that, they actually vetted me uh, like to other industry peers 
and long story short, decided they liked me better than most of the people that they were talking to. About that you were recommending? <laughs> like Sounds like a people you Dick Cheney leading the vice presidential search <laughs> situation. So, you, so was was your experience with the MENA group and with the, the 49ers and all the 49ers, right? That's a football team. Yeah, it is a football yes. team. Um, was your experience with them, was that important to you getting this job? Did, did that weigh into it? They definitely liked hearing that I had worked with players before. And I think... Uh, I think to the point of what we're going to be talking about in a few minutes is it's a very unique food service um, goals uh, for the players. Yeah, I have so many questions because it's Aisha Curry, it's basketball players, it's football players. And so my mind's all over the place. But um, how so with the entire personnel that you're feeding, you said it's about 300 and change a day. Is that right? Um, or am I making things up? No, it depends on the when you ask me that question. Okay. At different points in the year, it varies quite a bit, but we're serving between six and seven hundred meals a day there now. Amazing! You're so you're doing breakfast and lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Wow! Um, what does a typical meal for an NFL player look like? And then you know, on top of that, there are all the questions about specialty diets. Are linemen's diets different than quarterbacks, et cetera, et cetera? Yes. The um, the answer is very complex because we have a range of ages. We have a range of education, socioeconomic backgrounds, size, and then how much energy they're spending all, all day. Those combined together help us understand what each person is looking for. We change the menus every two days. And um, uh, you know, at a five or seven day a week operation with that many meal periods, it's quite complex to organize it all while still hitting all those nails on the head for what it is their targets are. We do individual specialized meal prep for recovery for certain types of injuries and then also for like weight loss or weight gain. And then we have uh, food programming that is, let's call it like our kind of like standard offerings. And that ranges from very lean and kind of like, let's say athletic focused to comfort food. Um, when you're asking people to eat in the same place that many times in a week, you're much more than just a dietitian to them. You know, you're playing the role of a grandma when they need it. And um, the hospitality component is real. Uh, they very much enjoy the um, care that we take in, in understanding them as people not just athletes. When you talk about the specialized diets and it depends on what's going on with that player, I'm just trying to picture what the process is like. Like, do their trainers come to you almost like filling out a prescription? Like a doctor would say, okay, so-and-so needs this, put it into his plan. There, we work with both the strength and conditioning coaches as well as the nutrition team. And they have a director of nutrition and they have su support staff that help them evaluate, monitor, and create relationships with the players. Um, <clears throat> it's tough because of the volume of them. Some sports don't have this many players on a team. You got 65, right? I mean, 53 active and then the reserves and then people get cut and signed. So you set up something for somebody, boom, they're off to Cincinnati. Yeah, it, that's very true. <laughs> and um, also in months like August, uh, when we're in training camp, we have all the extra players. Well, I wanted to ask you about this because now you're talking about certain days pads on 
and they're and like Al would say, they're beating the crap out of each other. Certain days it's just walkthroughs, right? Day before maybe we're going carb heavy. Uh, you're changing up the meals every two days, but you must have to have that plan in place way ahead of time based on what the team is actually practicing and how hard they're going that day. Five weeks. <laughs> That's yeah. What, <laughs> what about when they go home? I mean, I, I'm assuming being a football player is kind of yet to stay in condition 24 hours a day, not just while you're on the field. So are you sending them home with food? The last year during the with the intensive COVID protocols, we were. Um, <clears throat> different players are really in different stages of their careers, and they... Um, the people who stay and play a long time, honestly, they take nutrition extremely seriously and they're really planning all their meals all the time. And they will do like, we'll do meal preps for them so they can literally like take a bag home and they know I'm going to eat five times a day. And these guys have ensured that I have the correct amount of protein, antioxidants, and, um, when, apl when applicable carbs to your point, because they use protein very liberally in the NFL because you always are in recovery right. of either working out or injuries or just that amount of energy. So a lot of protein, a lot of antioxidants, um, carbs are really flexed into the diet based upon like heavy, like energy days. Right. So with that, did, did you travel with the team last year for the games? The, um, our executive chef, uh, Jake Brubaker, uh, yeah. travels with the team. Last year was a little limited because they cut how many people you could have. Uh, but like like right now, he's in L.A. with them. Okay. So my question is, um, and I think people would want to know, can you tell us what a typical pregame meal like might look like? Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so in a week, they kind of cycle through. Like coming down off a big event, they'll want to eat stuff that's a little more comforting. As you get closer to a game day, usually leaner and more focused the night before we um when we're at home we throw feasts <clears throat> and this will be like this last weekend it was 30 tomahawks you know mm. whole shellfish stations and the idea is that it's extremely attractive to the players it brings them all together it brings that like culture of like sharing and eating and um really enjoying that time together for not just the culinary components but ensuring that they are absolutely as full as they can be of good product mm -hmm. then the next morning the pregame meal is actually a lot simpler foods they want um nutritional confidence so a lot of players will eat the same thing for breakfast and lunch before a game every single time so there's an extraordinary wide variety of relatively simple foods well you say nutritional confidence but i've got to ask are they just superstitious like, do they need to have this? Does I score a touchdown when I ate this dish, and so I have to eat it before every game? There is a little bit of that, but there is also um, a greater – when your body is like a performance machine, it, it's, it's operating a lot faster and more intensely. So when you have issues, they're more intense, and it happens faster. So when they get in a rhythm and they understand um, – like, for example, one of the first things I learned was that when you have that much muscle mass, when you work out a lot, all the blood goes to your muscles away from your digestive system. So you can't eat like first thing in the morning, if you're going to have to go work out and run around, you can't eat a lot of heavy foods that are hard to digest because your body's going to get rid of them. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause there's no blood in there cycling it around because yeah. you're that much muscles right now. Normal people aren't going to experience that. So nutritional confidence really comes from when they, when they start to understand like, Hey, this is my body's rhythm and what it wants and what it makes feel good. 
they'll want to do that the same. So to your point, the pregame meals are wide, diverse, simple, and consistent. And and to be a, a little embarrassing, constructed so I don't have to take a dump about halfway through the second quarter. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Rich. You know, uh, you know, had to be I, said. Keeping it classy, Rich. Keeping it classy, baby. Well, I could I could have asked that question. I could ask the dump question. <laughs> you guys podcast. fight over who's taking the bathroom questions. I want to uh, say I think you got to give yourself a little more credit too, because those those night before feasts, I bet you a lot of the time are keeping players from hitting the Vegas nightlife as well, because they're getting that camaraderie and that feeling of bonding, you know, in a going out setting, an upscale setting, without needing to go hit the clubs afterwards or anything like that. So it's an important thing that uh, maybe you're not uh, always thinking about. The well, you're right, and honestly, it's fun for the team. We have a, a large, extraordinarily talented management team to make all this work. The amount of special requests and dietary things, I mean, there's literally like whole teams of people dedicated to just all of the different people that need attention. Um, and, it, you know, it's, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just to follow up on Jason there. Where, where, which is the team hotel, the pregame Saturday night hotel? M Resort. Okay, so they can go to the casino right there. Yeah. Don't even have to leave campus. Thanks, Rich. Thanks for two for two, Rich. Sabotage. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, sorry. And, and how are the restrooms? Keep interrupting. Yeah. Right. So, wow, I thought I was going to be the embarrassing um, one on the show. So, all right. So we kind of got that point. Um, can I ask a, a really simple, stupid, overly simplified question? How many calories does a player eat during prime season per day? I bet you that's not oversimplified because there are different positions and totally different, you know, a wide receiver. That's why I oversimplified the question. <laughs> the, the, One for you. The short answer is, let's just say three to 6,000, but calories are not the primary concern when you're moving that much energy and you have that much mass to support. The primary concern is, do I have enough protein th throughout the day to always have it available when my body's looking to grow and or regenerate? So protein consumption and antioxidants to keep the, that healthy regeneration is actually a much bigger conversation than calories. Some guys need to lose weight or they come back from the off season and, you know, they have some moves to make. So we'll get kind of, we will talk about calories a little bit, but it's, it's easy to overeat sugar and carbs and stuff like that. But those are small parts of these guys' diets. So are you counting proteins? the same way that other people would be counting calories or are you just kind of, you know, just putting out a spread of just proteins for people? Okay. So some players, um, and administrators and coaches and stuff like that are on diets where we're, uh, counting macros for everything, yeah. gramming, scaling, and they're boxed up and it's for them. Um, for a majority of the people, they understand what their meal programming is supposed to be. And then we have selections out that they can choose from. Awesome. Um, I have a lot of questions. I'm a huge sports fan. I yeah. don't want to take well, up the whole segment, but I, I, I can keep asking. I was just curious if we, get it into, if we get it into out of the professional field, right? Because I, I don't know how many professional football players are listening to this right now. And those that are probably have a guy like you or you telling yeah. them what to eat. But um, you know, what about a high school football player? Like, Are there tips for, for keeping in game day shape for, for youth athletes and, that you would give them? At most point, I'm 
almost positive they all have nutrition coaches at this point in time, especially the higher end programs. I think it probably depends quite for high school. It depends how wealthy your community yes, is. Right. They all do. <laughs> um, Jason came from Richie Rich High School. I was on yeah. a scholarship. Don't okay. worry about it. Uh, uh, when, uh, when Al and I had uh, tacos down at the test kitchen and we were talking to you about this a couple of months ago, the, the question of Tom Brady and his vegetarian diet came up, and you had a very interesting answer I hope you could share. Well, um, I think the answer, the, it started. we started talking about vegans, and... Um, yeah, oh, yeah, the, vegan. the, the yeah. question was yeah. that I, I've met with people like Piccioni, people that watched the movie Game Changers, that uh, that movie was very influential in convincing a lot of athletes that they would have better performance if they went vegan. Now, some may say that's a vegan propaganda film. Some may say it's brilliant, cutting-edge science. I don't have an opinion because I don't know a damn thing about nutritionism or sports. But or football. you said that you didn't buy it, at least on a professional football level, and you were not quite believing Mr. Brady. Correct. The, um, <clears throat> the bioavailability of plant-based proteins is not nearly that of some of the processed uh, like meat or dairy-based products. So when you, it's not that you cannot do it, and it's not that you cannot live on plant-based proteins, you can do both of those things. But when you're trying to support a 300 plus pound body and you need to eat five times a day and you're looking for, you know, 60 grams of protein per something crazy like that, the chance to get it in, the amount that you need to consume of plant-based products becomes so high that your body can't even really process it all. Are you saying that proven multi-time cheater Tom Brady <laughs> might be cheating with his answer here. Or he may have fibbed. Yeah, um, there is also a theory that sometimes people uh, who are extraordinarily successful say things so that people will copy them. It, I, and uh, they say the wrong things so that their competitors copy the wrong will copy the wrong things. Now, we're not saying anything about Mr. Brady. I am. Uh, <laughs> so, what, uh, you know, you talked about and I, uh, your interacting with the nutrition coaches and um are you also interacting with position coaches or players individually so all of the above okay yeah um, both on a friendly hospitality standpoint but then also on a professional standpoint okay but jason honestly you you did just it hit you my answer my question was what would you advise high school athletes and you told them to go to a richer high school that's not what basically. I said. So, um, <laughs> at this point yeah so I love that that was the, right. so could I ask what you would advise what you kind know of basic who diet for, high school what kind Tom of Tom Brady what kind of basic <laughs> diet would you advise for high school athletes are there key things that they could pick up to increase their performance yeah I, I think that you're going to want to look for a really healthy blend of whole foods and supplements supplements are just that they should not be your primary source of uh, fuel for your body um, and I think that with young people in particular sometimes there there's an idea that if I'm getting this many scoops of this much stuff it checks all the boxes for math but then they're going out and eating fast food because it tastes good and it's right. cheap and that will work for you short term when you're like 18 years old if you want to play professional sports long term I highly suggest thinking about the fact that every seven years your body's going to be made up of what it is you put in it for the last seven years. Okay. All thank your cells will have regenerated. So thank start you early. I'm going to let Jason take the rest of this interview. No, no I mean, Al, <laughs> now you're ready for your high school football career. So I am. I'm excited. Yeah, you I'm still ready. have eligibility so, probably. Yeah. I mean, so um, are there any favorite dishes for the team? And also are there, what? what's the strangest request you've gotten from a player? 
I think that strange is relative and kind of like based upon who you asked, but I was surprised for oxtails. You know, wow. I think for a lot of us that seems to be maybe culinary adventurous, but if you, if you know, this person came from the South and for them, they were looking for comfort food. Um, so that, you know, I would say maybe like from a product standpoint, but they're extremely receptive, but it's different conversations for each player. And they're really coming from all different places and they're in all different ages. You don't really get a chance where you can say, hey, guys, take a look at this. Something brand new you've never had. No, you can't really get that adventurous. The foie gras martini is yeah. made it, uh, <laughs> not there on the spread. Foie gras has not made the menu yet. <laughs> Let's see if they um, win a division. <laughs> but we've had at the Super Bowl, they'll get whatever they want. Yeah. The, um, no, the, we definitely serve Wagyu beef. We're definitely serving like sea bass and, you know, fresh shellfish and stuff like that. Anything that's risky, uh, you know, probably won't make it anywhere near a game, but, you know, but we cycle it. So um, the product variety is extremely high um, as far as menus go. Like the different, like any protein you can think of, they want to see it. They want bison short ribs. They also think like a turkey burger is great. When your job is to put food in yourself that many times a day with that much volume, you're really looking for diversity to present to prevent flavor fatigue. And that was a big part of what we talked about with them in advance was like, how would you, they wanted to know how would I work through that? What would be our process? How would we do it? And what about real fatigue? Have you ever had a player or players who have just looked lethargic on the field and with some dietary help, they've been able to pick it up? 100%. They all suffer from fatigue at some point with the schedules and the heat in the morning. So um, one of the metrics they run is um, how many players are like experiencing that. And they look at that as a measure of are we providing them with enough food in a style and in a like a product that they want to go consume quite a bit of because that prevents that is this um this program that you're talking about which seems incredibly detailed incredibly complex incredibly well funded i'm sure uh is this average for the, the league or are you guys ahead of the curve doing you know far more cutting edge um dietary technology than other teams are I know you're not going to say you're lagging. I know by having you there, you're not lagging. But I'm wondering if this is the norm. And if so, how long have professional football players been this aware and this tuned in to the science of their diets? Those are two really fantastic questions. Um, so one, I would say, based I can I can only answer based upon my feedback from players that are coming from other teams. And sometimes we talk to guys who've worked for seven other NFL organizations. Um, and it's my understanding that we're in the top two currently for variety and quality of offerings. You want to tell us who the other one is? Nope. Nope. I think so. <laughs> oh, I, we can all come guesses. We have, we can go full circle with, with the, the people we know here because one of our favorite early guests, Gina Marinelli, Mm-hmm. No doubt you work with her father, Rod Marinelli. He's an amazing person. Everybody yeah. loves him. Um, his daughter is amazing, too. Her food's fantastic. Yeah, she's, yeah. She's, <laughs> there's that. At by the way. Any of you Raiders fans that want to go support Gina Marinelli, go to Lestrega in Summerlin. The coaches thought it was really funny when I met him, and I said, oh, you're Gina's dad. Is- Congratulations. <laughs> and they all laughed, and they're like, no, 
<laughs> Gina's her. Yeah, of and course. I was like, no, 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 guys. No, you no, haven't not, had her food yet. Not in your circle. <laughs> was like, that's tremendous. That's so, fantastic. So, what about how new this is as an idea? Is this something that's on, that the Raiders have only introduced within the past few years, or is it? Have they always been like this? The Raider for the Raiders, it's a newer program. When they when they change buildings, they change their whole culinary program significantly. And they're definitely trying to be at the cutting edge. And they also want it to be an amenity to help attract players of the future. What? Um, how big is your staff of chefs? Um, we have a management team of seven, which is significant. And um, overall, we have, I think, currently about 27 full-time employees. And in season, we will... Uh, invite a lot of our chef friends in to come help cook and do cameos as well as some like like part-time labor to help get us through the the long weeks this whole month of august we actually brought in restaurants uh one a night for dinner to teach players about local businesses introduce them to chefs Um, we couldn't have the chefs in the building because of the covid protocol but we brought their food in put their collateral out kind of help share this is your second season with the team what um, changes have you made based on what you've learned from season one to season two? Um, we've integrated more functional foods. So, um, uh, like adding layers of benefit in. So for example, uh, like we had a banana nut waffle in the morning, but we, you know, learned if we can get 40 grams of protein in that, that it's like the double whammy. I get my comfort food that makes me feel like I'm soothing my soul, but at the same time, I'm packing that protein in. Um, I any booze at the team meals? No, sir. Okay, just checking. Yeah, zero percent. <laughs> what? I have just a couple more questions. What's the off season like? Short. Um, it's not what we expected. The the that facility is still firing on all cylinders with the whole business side and. Um, uh, the players take a break, but you'd be amazed how many of those key starters are still there, like being involved, doing charity work, the coaches. These guys work crazy schedules. Are you feeding the front office, uh, obviously, during the season, but but every day? Yes, sir. Do you? Well, they're, they're five days a week, and we do yeah. primarily lunches for them. It's the football breakfast, and then dinner is primarily coaches and players. Uh, cause the days they, and the reason they do so many meals is cause these guys, the I mean, they start four 30 in the morning and, you know, they're going all the way through the evening. There's a lot of people sleeping on a lot of couches in that yeah. building. Do you, uh, with Vegas getting more sports teams, do you see your brand branching out to maybe work with, uh, other franchises, other sports out here? Last year, I wouldn't have known how to answer that question, but after doing it now and understanding that we can create really wonderful jobs for people with good work-life balance and solid compensation with quality food, I'm a lot more confident in answering that question, yes. So the Raiders are in a tough division. Where, where do we see them finishing up this year, Chef? <laughs> and um, can you give us betting advice if somebody's not feeling well? If you take my advice on betting. If somebody throws up, like, can you give me a call? I mean, the Chiefs are still the Chiefs, you know? Yeah. The Broncos have a new quarterback again, right? And uh, was it the Chargers, our last little squad down there? And they're, Oh, they got my, my boy Jace, Justin Herbert. They're on the upswing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're on it's the upswing. Tough, it's a tough division. It is, and I think our schedule this year is harder than last year. Last year, you know, I think um, there was a couple tough breaks for the Raiders. End of the season. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I'd like to see, honestly, like personally, I'd like to see two more wins than last year. Ten and six. I like ten and six. Ten and six to get you, you a home game. What do you think, Johnny Football? <laughs> ten and six? That equals sixteen. I could do math. Except uh, ten and six. Well, there's seventeen games and, now. Oh, and so we want to go eleven uh, and six. Eleven and six. Hey, Gary, next time we have you back, I'm going to change the topic completely, and I just want to plant this seed right now for our listeners and everybody else. I still want to do a strip club episode, food and strip clubs. <laughs> Gary Lamort here worked in probably one of the finest kitchens Las Vegas has ever had of top talent before they were famous, and it was in a strip club over at Men's Club. So we got to have to you back and, to talk about that. And he was a hell of a dancer. <laughs> I still am. What do you mean was? Seriously, you you, don't, you worked with a lot of big chefs over at that strip club, so we got to have you back. And, a, and a couple that. master sommeliers. Yeah. Oh. So yeah. Um, so I'm just teasing the next appearance. But Jason, you could take us out of this segment. I mean, chef, I really appreciate this. Obviously, your depth of knowledge, uh, not just in sports, fine dining, strip club food everywhere. It's uh, all interesting, and we appreciate you, Gary Lamort. You have anything to plug? Um, I'd like to plug you guys, man. Thanks for having me on. Tell every player to download Food and Loathing. Yes. We're rooting for the Raiders. Or just tell one of them to tweet about it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's have that 500,000 followers see Food and Loathing. As long as they're not playing the Giants, I'm down. Um, But thank you, Chef. And we will be back on Food and Loathing. Welcome back to Food and Loathing. I'm Al Mancini once again, joined by my guest co-host, Chef Rick Moonen, and our producer, Rich Johnson. We just heard from Chef Gary Lamort speaking about what goes into feeding the Las Vegas Raiders as Las Vegas' NFL team prepares for its season opener Monday night at Allegiant Stadium. And speaking of Allegiant Stadium, one of the unique things about it is a nightclub-style lounge in the north end zone. And we talked about it with uh, Off the Strip's Melinda Shekels and the Las Vegas Review-Journal's John Katsalamides. I went through the, the end zone club. What's that? What's at, at, Winfield uh, Club. Yeah, Winfield. Really interesting. And we were talking in the press box about that end zone. It's uh, I think it's on the side where the, the word Las Vegas is painted on, on Allegiant. So you have the Las Vegas... It's on the north on the, end. Yeah, yeah window, it's facing the... Above. Yeah, face... Uh, no, wait... Or is it? Yeah, yeah it's facing, the field, facing the facing strip, south. right? The, well, your oh. back would be to the strip. Back is to the you're as facing you look the at the field. <laughs> the field's facing the, 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 the point is still to look at the football. The point, game. the point is also that you're so close to the end zone. You know how in, in Packer games you had that Lambo leap. This is so close. You can hurdle that fence. You can hurdle two. There are two barriers and go right into the club if you're a player. Somebody, <laughs> oh, yeah. A Raider is going to do this. I'm just wondering who it's going to be. As long as he doesn't and, stop and do a lot. Yeah. <laughs> no, he just jumps and orders a shot. Yeah. But, is, uh, is that going to be open to the public or only VIP guests to the casino? Is there going to be a so minimum? So this is how it works with Winfield Money. Club. You um, you have to have a ticket to the game to enter the field club. You can be on a guest list to go in. Or if you don't have a ticket to the game, they, you can buy a package that includes a ticket and a table. So there's two different ways to get in. And what are we talking? Should I plan on having ten grand, fifty grand, a hundred grand in order to do that? What? The tables are expensive. <laughs> <laughs> it's Let's pretty, say that they're they comparable. They didn't wince at any of those numbers. The answer is yes. Oh, well, in this and in this instance, they also include tickets. So you figure you're going to pay your your mm-hmm. your um, your nightclub premiums. Right. So six figures. <laughs> Four. I don't know. Four. I'm not You're paying. Pay. Well, you know, bottle gonna, service. You can. I would say you. You know, you can go four or five. 
And that's just a little taste of the conversation we had with Melinda and John. We have more of that coming up in a couple weeks. I got to say, the club in the end zone sounds great. Although if I ever do make it to a game, I doubt I'll have the juice to secure a table there. Um, if it's something you aspire to, there's your info. How about you, Rick? Have you been to Allegiant yet? No, I haven't stepped, in, haven't stepped foot in the, the stadium yet. Any plans? Any games? Are you a football guy? <sighs> I'm just traveling. My schedule's been so crazy. It's not a focus of mine. Am I a football guy? Um, yeah, around Super Bowl time during the during the season. Oh, yeah. If I'm over a friend's house, it's a Sunday. They're watching the game. I'm I'm all in. Super Bowl party time. <clears throat> but I don't turn on a game and watch it myself ever. Now I gotta have money on something if I'm gonna watch a sporting 100%. event. I'll go watch hockey without money on it. That's it. But other yeah. than that, nothing. Yeah, I gotta check out the stadium though. That's a, a checklist thing for me. So in other news this week, I attended the launch party for Chef Stacy Dugan's new brand of plant-based, a.k.a. vegan, cannabis edibles. Uh, the company's called IA. And um, what was cool about this is rather than just distribute her packaged products, she threw an infused dinner party at a restaurant called um, Good Morning Kitchen over on Rainbow Boulevard. It was a really cool meal where guests were um, able to ask for either the infused or the virgin version, the virgin versions of each course. Um, but I'll let Chef Stacy talk about it. First, this is the launch of my brand, IA. It's a cannabis-infused products, all plant-based edibles. And then we're also morphing into doing events and cannabis-infused events in the city as well. But um, we are themed tonight, so we have a Harlem Renaissance theme, so we're paying, paying tribute to um, our African-American culture back in the 1920s. So I created dishes around some of the dignitaries um, during the ha Harlem Renaissance. For example, Bessie Smith, I created a dish around one of her songs, and we have a peach cobbler. Um, Louis Armstrong, I have a dish that we created around him. Uh, Zora Neale Hurston, Duke Ellington, and it's all soul food theme. And uh, people have the option to have their food infused or non-infused, but definitely we um, are proud of our culture, our heritage, and we're just wanting to bring something unique and different to Las Vegas. Do you plan to do more of these? Will they be open to the public? What? Because as I asked you two months ago, yes. I said, why aren't we having cannabis yeah, dinners? Yes, so yes. what's the future of the cannabis dinner in Las Vegas? So we plan on doing a lot of events here. I would, I really want to open up events to, events to the public and to tourists. The thing, reason why we didn't do it for this one is because you do we do have regulations and guidelines if, when you're opening it up to the public. So with the Cannabis Compliance Board, um, but when you're doing private events, you don't necessarily have to go through them. But once we start doing public events, than we do so it's a little bit more paperwork red tape but we plan on doing events all kinds so we'll do more of these more high-end events because this event was hundred and twenty five dollars a ticket we'll also do some tickets some events that are a little less in price um, I have a lot of ideas about events that I want to do we want to do events that are bigger that will accommodate you know a couple hundred people so um, I have some some cool things coming down the pipeline just stay tuned will IA products be available in other dispensaries things like that yeah so we're working on that as well um, that's a process as well but we are working on that currently and we ha we have a website so people can go and purchase from the website now and it'll be shipped to your home or you can pick up locally um, but it's not in dispensaries yet but we do have a small product line and you can find that product line at iabrand.com. IA is spelled A-Y-E. The word brand is singular in that address. And I'm actually sampling one of these products with Rick right now. But first, a question for you, Rick, as we dig into some of these kale chips with um, THC infused. So be careful on that one. Okay. Um, so with recreational pot being legal in Nevada, I'd expect to see more respected chefs getting into the game, either with package brands or dinner parties. Very few of them have so far, man. So is there still a stigma in the culinary world, Rick, about getting involved with cannabis? You know, there, there, yeah, I guess there is, you know, straight answer. But 
I don't see a problem with it. Not a corporate level, I would assume, yes, but in the kitchen, I would think no, Well, <laughs> as far as stigma goes. I Most chefs are creative, and, yeah. you know, THC isn't a foreign subject, you know. And I'm sorry, oops, to break it to you even before it became legal, you know. <laughs> but because it helps be creative, you know, it helps to relax the mind. It, it really, truly does. It, it makes you hungry, too, sometimes. And that'll <laughs> some, uh, to, makes you a better chef, problem. right? I so, think so. While we're on the topic, we're trying some of um, Chef Stacy's mm. kale chips. Um, she normally sells a bag of eight ounces with three to four servings, and that's eight ounces, three to four servings, 10 milligram servings. Uh, this is half of that. So it's about two servings, perhaps a little less, 10 milligram servings. These are kale chips. Mm. Um, I'm crunching them. They've got a nice crunch on them. What do you no, think about salty, these? Salty, delicious. It's, you know, it's not a gummy. You know, mm. ABG, a- 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 anything but gummies. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm gummied out here, you know. I mean, you know, and there's some great stuff, you know, CBD and all the, all the balances and all that. And I love to um, experience and, and experiment with myself, you know, and see what it's like and, and you know, and see what uh, what benefits it could bring to the arts that we, we were involved in. You know, it's just it's culinary. This is delicious, by the way, this uh, kale. It's got a little you know, orange flakes on it. And I thought there were sesame seeds at first, but it, it, it's, it's salty. It's delicious. I, I, that's addicting. Yeah, that's a really good munchies. You could sit there, and that's why I'd worry I'd get a little too high on these because I could eat like, <laughs> yeah, you're a like, lot whoops. of Whoops. I, uh, I ate too much during the movie. Whoops, a daisy. Well, the yin to the yang, then, is I brought a little something to follow the thing. These are maple bars from our friends at Pink Box Donuts. Holy smokes. Maple bar is, uh, you know, they have a zillion things at, at Pink Box, but I went for the straight-up maple bar in honor of my youth. I hadn't planned on making this Rich's Childhood episode, but between the Shakey's thing and the maple bar, I lived in Chicago, I lived in New York, I lived in D.C. for 20 years in two different things, and in the East, there's no such thing as a maple bar. Mm -hmm. So when I came back West, I went for the maple bars. It all goes back to Beaverton, Oregon, suburb of Portland, now the home of Nike. That's what made it famous. But when I was a kid, there was the little tiny street, and there were two things on that street. The Beaver Theater. Yes, it was called the Beaver Theater. <laughs> I went to the Beaver Theater. Yeah, it was yeah. a whole other. Who hasn't, who hasn't gone? Yeah, it was not a franchise. I've gone down there. <laughs> uh, this was a second-run theater where for 25 and then eventually 35 cents at 1 o'clock on Saturday afternoon, every mm-hmm. kid in town comes for a double feature. And the, the movie theater owner, that was the bulk of his income, I think, was that Saturday afternoon, and he just hated us all. And I swear, without the hair, without the mustache, this guy was a spitting image of Adolf Hitler. Mm-hmm. I remember that as a kid. And then when the movie was out, we would go next door to the Beaverton Bakery, which just closed after about 105 years, and I would have a maple bar for seven cents, maybe two and you are getting this object because you're heading back. There, and as right? we finish recording here, I'm going to drive to Portland, Oregon. No. Yeah. Good first, first get first get out of Vegas for you know a year and a half, almost two years. Got my sisters up there. Got my daughter up in Seattle. Uh, Does it take you three that? days? It'll take one overnight. I'll, I'll drive ten You're hours insane. a day. You're oh, insane. Yeah. I got a comfy car. I got satellite radio. I got podcasts. You know. Yeah, I got to talk to my wife. She uh, drove up. So, uh, well, so you got to get out of here for that ride, then, well, Rick. I'll just, so. Yeah. Uh, you got any recommendations in Portland for me or thereabouts? Astoria. 
Uh, my wife will be able to give you a couple of names. I don't remember <laughs> them. I swear to you, we stopped a couple of places. One, one in particular, uh, and you're not. I was going towards Astoria though, so it's going to be way out of your way. Oh uh, no, we have a we we are from Tillamook and Seaside, and I know that ordinary North. When you Coast, talk about Astoria. I think you're talking about Queens. I guess. So, I know. I, <laughs> yeah. I first heard I it. That that's, that's exactly what I thought when I first heard it. Same now, guy, John Jacob Astor. These, these maple bars are like uh, eclairs on on steroids. No, no, there's no nothing inside. Oh, okay. So it's okay. just it's glazed donut. Well, you know, it's raised yeast donut without the glaze, and, and then the maple frosting on top, on top. Oh, okay. in a rectangle. It's dang looking good, man. Okay, well, Rick, is your mouth full? Or, uh, Rich, excuse me, is your oh, mouth full? Are you going to be able to talk us out of this and no, tell yeah, where they can I find don't know. I don't know. i got to get my uh, priorities straight here. Uh, <laughs> what happened to my... Uh, I lost my back page. That's okay. Well, you can follow us on the social Follow media. us everywhere. Food and Loathing, at Food and Loathing Pod on Instagram. You'll see stuff there. You can go to foodandloathing.vegas. That'll direct you to my, um, to where you can stream the podcast over at my website, which is theneonmohawk.com. Um, and, of course, you can search for Food and Loathing Pod on Facebook, see what we're doing there. So, please, stay tuned for all of that. Rich has his mouth full of oh, yeah. bar right now. And it's it's like fuel me all the way to it. Reno, baby. Uh, next week, I forget what we have going on next week. Celebrities. Celebrities. Life is beautiful. Life is beautiful. That's what we're doing next week in honor of Life is Beautiful. We'll be talking to some of the chefs who are cooking at Life is Beautiful. And then we'll talk to some chefs who know what it's like to cook behind the scenes for celebrities and rock stars and people like that. So all of that is coming up next week. Stay tuned. Make sure you check us out. A new episode drops every Friday. And give us a big old five-star rating mm -hmm. when you do. Subscribe and, and give us a great rating if you like us these. In the meantime, I'm Al Mancini for Rich Johnson and our guest co-host. I'm hoping he'll be back to do it some more times in the future. Mr. Rick Moonen, thank you very much, Chef. It's been a pleasure, Al. Guys, you know, just uh, spread the word. Spread the word. Tell everybody about food and loathing. Cool. Thank you all. Stay hungry. No problem. Our problem.